Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen, wishing you a wonderful day. And uh, I want to continue, you know, uh, talking about the ministry of the believer. And that's what we'll do the next uh, few days. And some of you might be wondering, why am I going so slowly? Well, I want to, I want to teach you like I would be teaching at a Bible school. Go through verse by verse and, 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 you know, not just skim over details, but go into some details so that you actually learn some things. And this great, it's, it's a great thing to be able to learn like this, scripture by scripture, precept by precept, because then you are equipped to teach others. And that is one thing that people need. They need to be taught by you. You have your friends and you can share the word with them. Praise God. But before we go into that, I want to share a, a you know, a little testimony with, uh, with you. And this is, this is from Zimbabwe. I was doing a crusade in the town of Kadoma. And one night in the crowd, I mean, we had a huge number of people. And in the crowd, there was a, there was a young man, I think he was 21 years of age. And he was born deaf and mute. That means he had never heard his whole life, never heard a sound, never uttered a, uttered a sound in his uh, in his uh, whole life, but he was sharp. He was watching what was happening, and uh, and right right next to him, where he was standing in the crowd, some other people had brought an old man. This was a very old man, and he was he was blind and he was paralyzed, couldn't walk. He was blind for many years, and he had been he had been paralyzed for I don't know a few years, a number of years. He couldn't walk, and his family had carried him. Well, these two people didn't know each other. They just happened to be. Around. So what happened was that I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, when I began to pray, I prayed pray for, I preached and I prayed for salvation. Then I began to pray for the sick in mass. And then uh, the power of God fell on the crowd. And I told the people, do something that you couldn't do before. And uh, what happened? This young man, uh, he for, I mean, nobody knows why, but people saw him grab the old man who was paralyzed next to him, grab him by his hand and pick him up. And the old man began to walk and run and dance. Well, the, all this happened in the crowd. And so I, uh, when people came up for, for testimonies, first came this young man and, uh, and somebody who had brought him to the crusade brought him and said that he couldn't hear, he couldn't speak. So I spoke into the young man's ear and he repeated everything I said. And he was smiling, you know, 21 years of age. For the first time he was hearing and speaking. And as soon as he had finished, then came this old man and I didn't know the connection. And then they told me that this young man was standing next to this old man and the old man had been carried by his family and laid on the floor on a some kind of a ground sheet or blanket and he was blind and he was paralyzed and this young man for whatever reason he just grabbed hold of the old man uh, this man who had been deaf and dumb had just been healed he picked up the old man and the old man received his sight and he began to walk and so this old man came and he said pastor I couldn't see I said can you see me now yes can you touch my face and he saw everything and then he said that uh, I said what else was wrong he said I couldn't walk for how long a number of years but I can walk then the music began to play and this man began to dance and it was a wonderful wonderful testimony you know Jesus Christ is still alive and he's the same yesterday today and forever and then you know then we did another crusade in I think the town of Kwekwe and there there was a man there he he young man I think maybe late 20s you know close to 30 but 
late twenties. He came running, jumping on the platform. And I said, what was wrong with you? He said, I couldn't walk. I said, how did you get here? He said, I used to crawl on the ground on my arms. My legs were just dragging behind me. I said, show me how he lay on the ground and crawled, you know, and I've seen beggars like that, just basically moving around, pulling themselves uh, uh, by their arms. But, and he was like that. Now he was up walking. And you know, all these things proved to me just one thing that uh, the story of Jesus is true and that he is the son of God and that he is risen from the dead. And the fourth thing that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that is both for you and for me. Hallelujah. So let us, let us trust him and believe in him and believe him and trust him for great things. Praise God. So I'm going to continue with, uh, with our uh, lesson today. And today I want to talk to you about uh, things you've got to deal with people uh, and, and often have to remove, help people get rid of certain, uh, I don't know the word in um, English, in Swedish we call it forestalling, certain, certain uh, thoughts and imagine a certain uh, perceptions that people have that you need to clean out. And one is uh, the insecurity. That's the first thing you've got to clear from people's minds. The insecurity of fear that God might not want to heal me. Because might is not faith. Faith is assurance. Faith is actually a hundred percent assurance. This whole thing with he might or he might not it's not faith. It's not faith because faith is assurance. And so someone say, God might not want to heal me. And do you know why, why, why many church people believe that? It's simple, simple reason, because that's what they have been taught. That's what they have been taught in their church. So if you, if you attend a church that said, well, we believe in healing, but many times it's not always God's will to heal the sick and and, and so people develop this, you know, because they hear this and, and, and because of the way, you know, uh, how do I put it? Negativity is, comes natural to man to be negative. Negativity comes natural to man. So, so if you say uh, to a crowd, God wants to heal everybody except one or two people, everybody will think I'm one of those one or two people because not to think that would be prideful that for some reason there's other people God doesn't want to heal but he wants to heal me. You know, that, that can be prideful of the, at the other end of the spectrum. So, but, uh, but, so, but the thing is that we preach what the Bible says, that Jesus bore everybody's diseases. And if you don't say that, if, if you go to a church where they don't teach that, but they say, well, we are Pentecostal, we believe in healing, but the main times God doesn't heal the sick and we don't know why and we'll never find out. But when we go to heaven, in heaven, there will be no sickness and all that. So people say, okay, fine, I'm going to live with this and I'm going to get healed when I'm in heaven. That will be the ultimate healing. Well, if that's what people believe, uh, that's what they'll get. And, 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 and someone has to break that negative pattern and, and, and teach them to stand in faith. Otherwise, they'll miss out the wonderful thing that Jesus has done for all of us by bearing our diseases and carrying our pain. So, uh, so many, it's normally religious people. It's not non-Christians. Uh, Non-Christians don't carry that religious baggage with them. It's normally church people who carry that. Well, I believe in healing. I believe God can heal me, but I don't know whether he will. And you know, it might not be his will, but okay, pray for me anyway. Uh, it's like buying a, a lottery ticket 
and seeing if your lucky number comes up. So that if you want to pray for the sick, you've got to get rid of that. Now, let, let me put it, let me put it this way. God sometimes heals people in spite of their unbelief. Yes, he does. And but that is the mercy of God, total mercy. Sometimes he touches people uh, who even live in sin, you know, I mean, let alone unbelief. He, God can touch people. He can do that, but he has not promised to do that. He has never promised to touch and to heal people in spite of unbelief or any other, you know, negative quality. Uh, faith is the only sure way. That's the only thing you can stand on is faith. Uh, that you stand, because, but God has not promised to heal where there is uh, unbelief, but he's so good that in his goodness, there are times he, uh, he, you know, he heals people who are in unbelief, but we cannot claim that. Now, in James 1, verses 6 to 8, this is what it says. It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. It means that wavering, well, God might, but again, he might not. That's not faith. Because this is what James said in verse 6, in chapter 1. He says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double mind is unstable in all his ways. Now, this is what the scripture says. So when we ask God, we have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Because he who wavers, he's like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind, tossed around. Uh, and, and that, the Bible says, that man shouldn't think that he can receive anything from God because he's double-minded. And a double-minded man is unstable in his way. So we have to help people get out of the double-mindedness where they say, well, God might, God might not heal me. That's that instability. That's that unstable man who cannot receive anything from God. And so that is why we have to get them out of that mindset to a place of faith where they sure, are sure that God wants to heal me. It is his will to heal me. And where do you get that surety? It's not positive thinking, but it's the word. Only the word that gives us the assurance. So that's one thing they need. Now, the second thing you've got to clear and get rid of is sin, unforgiveness, criticism, bitterness, and pride. Uh, sin. You know, a lot of times people have sins in their lives that they don't even think are sin. Like we think of big sins, you know, uh, drunkenness, adultery, and they think smoking. People look at smoking as a big sin. Big sin, but there's other sins that are worse than, worse than smoking, uh, uh, you know, and that is, for example, gossip and being negative, uh, always speaking doubt and unbelief, and uh, you know, backbiting. And, you know, all these. There, there are a lot of sins that are displeasing to God that can uh, hinder uh, the flow of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, and we we don't even think of them then as sins, but we look at certain things we target those as sins. So you must help people uh, get out of sin, get out of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest hindrances to miracles. I remember this lady years ago in Sweden. She uh, she came to me after meeting. She said, Pastor, I've been coming here every night. I'm not being healed. Uh, I don't know what's happening. And she, she was crippled with arthritis. She, her hands were like this, you know, fingers were bent. She said, look at my fingers. They're like this. 
and, uh, and, and the pastor had told me, this is a good lady. She comes to all the prayer meetings. She's there. I mean, every time they pray, she's there. And she's a devout lady, a good lady. And, and she says, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. And I believe all this. And I've not been healed. And I just looked at her. I said, sister, do you have unforgiveness against anybody? She said, oh, no, no. I said, no, no. Think. Do you have, do you have any unforgiveness? And she thought, she said, yeah, there is one person. That she said, this, this lady, she offended me years ago and I have a very hard time letting go of that. It's like being, being a, becoming a little like a stronghold. I think that's the word she used, like a feste in Swedish, like a, like a castle, you know, a stronghold in my life. And, and I just can't, you know, get rid of it. I said, I said, do you know her phone number? Uh, where does she live? She said, well, another town, and I don't know how far away. I said, do you have her phone number? She said, I can find out. I said, why don't you call her and ask her forgiveness? Yeah, but she's the one who did. I said, listen, it costs you nothing to ask for forgiveness because she probably thinks that you did something because of which she said those unkind words to you that hurt you. I said, and I said, listen, what happens is that we as Christians, we guard ourselves from sin, but what we don't guard ourselves from is how we react when others sin against us. And that becomes a sin. We don't think of it as sin, but our unforgiveness and our, uh, our, the thing we hold against that person because that person wronged us. We didn't wrong them, but they wronged us. I said that, you know, is our sin and we don't even think that we have sinned, although we have, uh, because our reaction to the other person's sin is also sinful. And she looked down. I said, please do it, sister. Can you do it for me? Just call her and just say, look, if I offended you, please forgive me. She said, okay, I'll do that. Well, the next evening I came to the meeting. I was staying in the pastor's house. I came and she came running, jumping. I didn't recognize her. I said, what happened? She said, look at my fingers, my art, my rheumatoid arthritis, whatever it was, it's gone, I'm completely healed. I said, tell me what happened. She says, I went home after the service. It was late at night, but my heart was racing. So I thought I've got to do something about this. So I called a friend of mine who knew the lady, got her phone number. I called her, he said, I woke her up. It was night and I said, listen, sister, this is so-and-so speaking. And he said, that woman was shocked that I would call her because I haven't, we haven't spoken for 20, 30 years. And she said, I said to her, just as you said, Pastor, I said to her, Sister, please forgive me. If I have ever offended you, I ask you to forgive me. And I want to make things right between us. And he says, the other woman began to cry. And she said, of course, I forgive you. I'm so sorry that I said those things about you. She says, we talked. And he says, when I hung up the phone, she said, this is what she said. She said, the moment I hung up the phone, I felt like a heat, a wave of warmth and heat come over my body. And in an instant, my body was completely healed. Beloved, unforgiveness hinders our faith, hinders our prayers. And we don't think of it as sin. Sometimes we think we have the right to hold on to something because they're the ones who did wrong. But I know this in my life. I've had a lot of forgiving to do. And I've also had to ask forgiveness from people. There are times when the Lord has told me, ask that person to forgive you. 
I said, well, what have I done? They said, no, but you did something that really hurt that person. You don't think you did, but you did. And so be the strong one. Even if you think he did it, you never know. It might have what you did that has locked that person in, in bitterness. So release that person. You're helping that person. So I've had to ask forgiveness uh, for, for things I have done. And I have even had to ask forgiveness sometimes when I felt that it's that person's fault. But then I ask forgiveness because it goes both ways, because I may not be aware of it, but I'm sure, you know, I've done something. So, uh, you know, ask, ask, it's good to ask for forgiveness. Learn that as an exercise. It's an exercise in humility. Believe me, it's very humble to stand before somebody and look them in the eyes and say, brother, forgive me, especially as ministers of the gospel. It is important that we learn to ask people for forgiveness and also to forgive others. So, uh, so help people get rid of sin in their lives, sin, gossip, and all those things, unforgiveness, criticism. Some people that criticize everything, they're negative about everything. I run into people and they're just, they, it's, it's like a cloud of negativity about everything they see and do. Whenever they see someone, it's always negative. They never have anything good to say about anybody. Help people get rid of that. Get get rid of bitterness and pride. My goodness, pride is something to deal with. I remember this one guy, this young preacher, you know, it was like that. I said to him, I said, brother, he said, yes. I said, I don't like your eyes. He looked at me, he said, what do you mean? I said, you got pride in your eyes, brother. If you want God to use you, if you want God to bless you, get rid of your pride and humble yourself. These are things, let's listen, these are things we have to get rid of our lives as well as help other people that we are ministering to. Amen? Now, let's get to the third thing. The third thing uh, that we have to remove from people is the presumption that, well, God should heal me because I'm a good Christian. Nope. God doesn't heal anybody whether they are good Christians or not. God heals people because he is good, because he is merciful, and he is faithful to his word. And so we always have to uh, help people see that, that people are healed because of the goodness of God and not because they deserve it or it's their goodness. I've seen that also. Some people think, you know, I was in a meeting in Sweden in 1983 in the summer. I'll never forget that. It was in a huge tent. It was a conference and, and there were all these Pentecostal ladies with buns in their hair. You know, I mean, pious, good people, solid holy people. And I went down the line. It was, I'm telling you, it was like laying hands on pieces of furniture. Then right at the end of the line, there was a man, he was punch drunk. And he, he was standing on crutches, you know, he couldn't walk and he just could barely stand up. And uh, I, and the closer I got to him, the more I could spell the vapors of alcohol, you know, from like three, four people away from him. And then uh, and when I was touching all these people, nothing happened. The moment I touched that guy, he threw his crutches and began to run all around the place, completely healed, and he was stone cold sober. And uh, I came back to the place where I was staying, and I said, Lord, how could you heal this fellow? Look at all those prayer warriors, great people. You didn't heal them. How could you heal that person? And the Lord said to me, your question tells me that what you're really thinking is that this man didn't deserve to be healed. How could I heal this man who deserve, who did, don't deserve to be healed, but I ignored those other people who deserve to be healed. That's what you're actually saying. 
that those people deserve to be healed more than this bandage. So why did you heal them and not them? And the Lord said, I never healed anybody because they're pious or they deserve to be healed because nobody ever gets anything from me because they deserve it. It's all because of my goodness and grace. And if anyone wants to be healed, it's not his goodness or grace, but he has to learn. It's not his goodness or his good works, but he has to learn to tap into my grace, to tap into my goodness and my mercy. And that is what faith is. Faith doesn't come before God with his own goodness, but faith comes tapping into God's goodness. He says, this man, he was like the Pharisee who came to the temple. Uh, I mean, the, the, not the Pharisee, but the publican. The Pharisee was in the front. He was saying, oh, thank God, I'm not like other people. I'm a great guy. I pay my tithes. I fast two days a week. Jesus talked about it. And then, and then there was another man. And then he said, finally said, oh, thank God that I'm not like that, you know, that publican there. And the Lord said, and the publican who was there, you know, a publican is like the owner of a pub, a drinking place. And he was standing there. He just beat his chest and cried. He didn't even feel he was worthy to come to the altar. But he stood in the back and said, Lord God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, who do you think went away justified? And so, you know, that, that Pharisee stood on his own goodness. But the publican, he stood on the goodness of God. And that's what faith is. Faith taps into the mercies and the goodness of God. Amen. Okay. Uh, anyway, these are things you've got to get rid, uh, get rid of. And religious ideas, I added that this could be a repetition of the first one. Religious ideas, they say, yes, I know that God heals, but... You know, oh, do you, have you read that book about that person who served God and, uh, and was never healed? And I said, no, I'm not even interested. You know, you know, don't, if you fill your mind with those things, I tell people, if you fill your mind with those things, it's very, you make it harder for yourself to receive from God and uh, be a man of the Bible. Don't be a man of religious books. Okay. Now, healing for the unbeliever is in the context of the gospel. In Mark 16, uh, verse 18, it says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that's in the context of the gospel when it comes to healing for the unbeliever. Healing for the unbeliever and healing for the believer are two different things. Healing for the unbeliever is in the context of the gospel. And uh, because uh, Jesus uh, uh, said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And, you know, and in the context of you preach the gospel and people will be healed. And we see that all the time. And in uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, when the disciples were forbidden by the Pharisees to preach or uh, to heal the sick, and when they came back to their own company, this is how they prayed. And in the prayer, they ended this prayer by saying, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Praise God. So they prayed. They say, oh, Lord, uh, you know, just stretch forth your hands to heal and that signs and wonders may, may, may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. So there's a, there's a huge difference between miracles 
uh, in the context of the preaching of the gospel, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who doesn't believe shall be condemned and these signs shall follow that belief. So healings are a sign that follow the gospel. God confirming his word with signs following. So that is healing for the unbeliever and that Lord, you stretch forth your hand to heal. And that in that context, healings are a are, a, uh, are, are God's dinner bell or God's business card pointing to people that this Jesus who heals the sick is also the savior. So that is uh, a totally different category altogether. And then, then, then there is healing in the church, healing in the church, and that is for believers. And that's what I want to share with you in the next lesson. But let us pray together now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my Brothers and sisters, Lord, who are who have heard my words, I ask you to touch them and bless them and touch their families. Bless them. Meet every need they have in the name of Jesus. If there be any sick people in the home, let them be healed. Meet their financial needs, Father, every need they have in spirit, soul, and body. And use them mightily for your glory to touch the lives of other people. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. And we will see you again tomorrow.